Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Today on the podcast, we're talking to a hasher in Philippines who started way back in the late 70s in Hong Kong. Please welcome today on the podcast a bit of a hash historian himself, Dances with Dogs. Welcome. Well, I'm pleased to be here and uh, fire away and I'll tell you what I can tell you. Let's get you introduced to everybody with kind of like the bio story. When, where, and how did you get to your first hash? I arrived in Hong Kong in 1975 to work on the Underground Railway construction. My hobby at the time was motocross racing and motorcycle trials. And there were some guys kept telling me about this hash. And I said, no, I can't get there. I've got this job, which is too demanding, blah, 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 blah. Eventually, four years later, I took them up on the invitation to join the hash. And I did my first hash run in April 1979 in Hong Kong Island. Do you remember that run at all? Like how big was it? Was that the the men and women hash? No, uh, the Hong Kong hash is a men only hash. It is one of the first, probably 20, 20 or 25th in the world. It, it was formed in 1970. And at the time it was formed, I think there might have been something like 20 or 25 hash groups at that time. Right. Was it big? How many people were in it? Uh, probably at that time, maybe 60, 70, something in that region. It's men only, yeah. Yeah. Are there people that you still know today that were probably on that first run? Hashers? Well, prob- probably about 10 people that I'm oh. still in touch with that were on that first run. Who, who, are yeah. some of the, who are some of those that are 1979? Well, uh, might, may have been on that very run. Even. I remember a particular guy called Roger Medkoff, whose hash name yeah. was Flackdom, which is his surname backwards. <laughs> and um, he, he still lives in Hong Kong. And he was also one of the four people who uh, founded the first Interhash in 1978. He still lives there. You had a good chat with them. I'd like you to tell that story later. But let's get who else? Brian Holgate, uh, Rod mm-hmm. Olson, Dick Watts. Uh, I, I'd have struggled a little bit after that. But uh, uh, that's right. Yeah. still there, yeah. Yeah, and so some of those names have come up with other people and certainly in hashing history. You were then a regular right away that you found time to make for the hash? Uh, yes, pretty well regular uh, from 79. Uh, and I dropped out a little bit later when I founded the One Chai Hash, but that came, that was in 1988. Yeah, okay. So that's uh, several years later. Before you started One Chai, were there other clubs in Hong Kong running that you ever at least occasionally ran with? Yes, um, I, I did a lot of runs with other groups. At the time, the Kowloon Hash came along in September 1970. Right. Then the Ladies Hash started, I think, maybe 71. And then the Little Sai Wan Hash came along. Then the South Side Hash. Later on, it was the Wancha Hash. And uh, there are various other smaller hash groups here and there. So you're probably about 10 hash groups in Hong Kong now. Let's get to your name and then we'll talk more hashing history. How, where, when along that trail did you you get a hash name? And were they using hash names in Hong Kong? Right. The the Hong Kong hash and the Kowloon hash were a, a little bit the same as the, the mother hash. And the hash names were not de rigueur at that time. In fact, it was eight years before I had a hash name. And I know guys running on the hash for 40 years still don't have a hash name. 
Yeah. Uh, it's not like uh, you go somewhere and you've been there four weeks and you got to have a hush name. That, that has crept in somehow. But anyway, yeah. yes, I got that on the Dancers with Dogs. I was about the time that the movie Dancers with Wolves was out. Right. And I got bitten by a dog on a hash run. It was hanging off my arm. So I was dancing around with this dog. So that was it. That's great. Uh, how frequently with these other clubs as they formed? How often did you go beyond Hong Kong? H- um, did, were you a regular to some of them? or um, I, I actually became a member of the Ladies' Hash. They allowed 20% membership of males. But you weren't allowed to set a trail and you weren't allowed to do the checks. Apart from that, you were normal. So I was a member of the Ladies' Hash for a few years. And I used to run from time to time with the Cowlin Hash, the Sai One Hash, and the Southside Hash. Mm-hmm. And of course, I know new and I still know a lot of people on those hashes as well. I think people who may have hashed in Hong Kong or hashed at international events with any of these people that travel love to hear their names. So throw them in there. Many stories you want to tell. Yeah, there was one uh, late Japanese lady in the ladies' hash called Yuko Gordon. I don't think she had a hash name. I first met her when she ran past me at great speed and said, who's, who's that? Oh, that's Yuko Gordon. She was married to an English guy. Uh, she came midfield in the female marathon in Los Angeles. That's how good a runner she was. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Wan Chai. How did it get to where? When did the idea come and why is there a Wan Chai hash? As you may know, I had a bar. I had two bars in Wan Chai. One was called The Wanch. Ah. And the other was called Carnegie. It's both very successful. I, I'm not, I don't have any equity in them now. Sunday night, one night, I was talking to a Southside hasher called Bruce Fletcher, uh, known as Shirley Temple, because he had long blonde hair. Mm. And I said, you know, whenever I go on the hash around Asia, there's lots of Asian girls running, but almost none in Hong Kong. And here we are in Wan Chai, and there's thousands of Filipino girls, you know, around here. I'm sure we could get some interested if we started a Sunday hash. Yeah, so that was it. So we announced it. It started in April 1988, and we got about 50 to 60 people on it. There is, in fact, a video of that event on YouTube. You can access One Chai Hash number one run. Oh, wow. So how did it work? The launch became kind of a meeting place, was a meeting place for that hash. and some Yes, other- the launch. There was the hash home. Uh, it changed a little bit later for various reasons, but for a long time. In fact, uh, my partner and I, uh, the late Roland Hastings, uh, we would often shout a free beer on a Sunday after the hash, <laughs> providing you were wearing a, a, a hash T-shirt. So that would work well. Right. So, And uh, all the hashes and hashers, everybody in Hong Kong who was a hasher knew the launch. What was it? I don't know the other bar because I've only dropped in a few times and hashed there occasionally. What was yeah, the other it, bar? It was called Carnegie's. It was a bit like a ah, right. hard rock cafe sort of thing. And it was only about 100 yards from the one. It was just around the corner. It doesn't sound like it was much effort. You just announced it and 60 people turned up, huh? That's right. Yeah. Of course, they're all people who were existing hashes with other hash groups. But uh, people like the Sunday thing. They First of all, you could run in daylight, uh, and uh, you finished well into daylight. You know, it was a mixed hash. And in fact, uh, I think last call, I think there were something like 40 marriages that uh, wow. were nurtured, nurtured on the one-try hash. Yeah. yeah, well, we come up with a term for that. People who met their 
spouse on that. We call them bottom feeders. So <laughs> that may be the most, uh, the uh, max bottom feeder production. What now the t-shirts at the watch are kind of special. Well, they, they were designed mostly by the co-founder Shirley Temple and he uh-huh. was an air traffic controller and later um, the, the, the trainer. And so on night shift, when there weren't many aircraft, he would just sit there drawing hash t-shirts and his, his designs are possibly the best I've ever seen anywhere for uh, hash t-shirts. And how would you describe them? I have one, but how would you describe uh, the designs? Well, multiple interest. Uh, there were many aspects to it and the detail and, you know, there'd be a, a mouse in a corner saying something and a, Grinning Chinese, top right, and this sort of thing. And they were cartoons. It was kind of like a your whole chest was a giant, multi-layered cartoon, right? That's right. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic things. Yeah. Yeah, they were brilliant. Yeah, there's something you could stare at quite a while to see what was going on. And then, how often were they produced? Probably every two months, we would get a new T-shirt out from from him. Of course, if it came to the annual meeting and things like that, you know. What about the operations of that hash then? Did you need to set up a GM and mismanagement for the Wanchai? Yeah. Bruce Fletcher, Shirley Temple and I, we, we set it up and we said, well, we're going to make the uh, the grand the grand mattress. We'll make it a female and then we'll have two male assistant GMs. And the mm-hmm. idea to have it as a female was to try and avoid the takeover by the, one of the many self-styled Mr. Hashes that we see around the world. Every year, it's a, a lady that is the uh, grand thing, you know, as yeah. well. It's lasted 34 years now, pre-pandemic anyhow. Yeah, yeah that's right. I, I went back for the 30th anniversary. Uh, it was quite funny. They brought out a magazine, and uh, they got various statistics in that magazine, and there was a list of the number of trails that were set by hash hash people. And I was still number two on the list. So I think that wasn't bad. And I've been away for about 20 years. Wow. Any hasher goes to Hong Kong can find a club to hash with almost any time they're going to land there. What were the trails like for Wan Chai? Urban? Did you get out into the islands? Oh, like all the hashers, they varied a lot because... All the hashes would go far and wide in the longer term. And the one chai hash, of course, being a, a daytime hash, uh, probably gave us a bit more scope. Maybe a couple of times a year, we'd rent a, a couple of buses and we would all pile on and bus and go into new territories. But, of course, as you know, Hong Kong has an incredibly good public transport system. Yeah. So it doesn't take you long to get quite a, a long way out to set a trail. It's, it's very good. We get, so basically, the trails were all over the place. There was no... Predominance. And then just one more logistic thing on that. So you're, you've got a couple bars. And how did you work the beer for the uh, hash and circle? The, so the provision of the drinks on site was always left to the pair's responsibility. They had to buy it and then put it in plastic bags with ice. So uh, that worked well. Still works well, yeah. yeah. So the bars uh, didn't provide it for the hash run. And just to clarify... Shirley Temple was not a co-owner. Right, just co-founder. A, a co-founder. Right. The, the, the co-owner was a fellow called Roland Hastings, sadly passed away uh, 20 years ago, but he mm-hmm. was a great hasher. He was a member of the Kowloon hash. Right. What about life in Hong Kong and hashing and in those days from 79 to when you started the Wan, the Wan Chai hash? Were you guys well-known? 
Yeah, I think the hash uh, were quite well known among the expatriate population in particular, not so much amongst Chinese, but have heard about or even know uh, somebody who was a hash member, yeah. And how did that work with the police and authorities? Was that smooth? Were there some uh, misadventures? Well, not a lot of problem, really, because on any hash, particularly on the Kowloon and Hong Kong hash, you probably got about five senior policemen on the hash trail. In oh. fact, one time we had a, a an annual meeting and uh, in a ch- children's playground not far from police headquarters, making a noise. A sergeant and a PC came up demanding to know what was going on and who's in charge. And one of our police members whispered in his ear. He, he gave a smart salute, turned around and left at high speed. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so it was, we're, we're okay. Yeah. The other thing is the major events. Of course, we can t- it'd be great to talk about the chat you had with the Interhash squad that came up with it. But, and, then, and then also another major event is the Sunset on the Empire that happened there in Hong Kong and other things. But let's go ahead and talk about that, if you would, about your research and sitting down and saying, let's find out what you can about the mysterious origins of the inner hash, the idea and the people. Yeah, we read that article, and because I I knew all the people involved uh, quite well, and I knew basically were the four, I'd say four, who were behind getting it going, and I invited them to the one-shawn evening to talk about it. And from that discussion, uh, I produced an article which was then published in the magazine for the Sunset on the Empire Hash. It's quite an amusing little story. They lost the money, they parked in the police commissioner's car park and things like that. The one detail that probably won't surprise people (laughs) who've been involved with the inner hashes is the loss of the money that they supposedly sent to KL. That's right. Oh, nobody ever, ever, ever found out what happened there. They just shrugged their shoulders and said, let's get on with it. Yeah. Uh, They sent it by registered courier and KL claimed they never got it. Anyway, that was the leftover money, which is which is traditionally passed from one interhash to the next. Yes. Yeah. That interhash then stayed around Asia for a while. Did you attend any of the interhashes? I attended ten. my first one being Pattaya or Pattaya in Thailand in nineteen eighty-six, and uh, of course that was organised by um, it has just escaped me. A very good friend, he died unfortunately, but one of the attendees of that was Horst Thompson, uh, one of the original hash office bearers in Kuala Lumpur. And then a few years later, I had a few beers with Horst Thompson in the Hong Kong Cricket Club. A very nice chap, very friendly, chatty. Yeah. And were he just was he visiting Hong Kong there? Yes, he used to visit Hong Kong quite a lot actually, and he he married. Filipina, and they had some kind of coconut uh, plantation in the Philippines, yeah. Ah. He was a very nice chap, very loose. I doubt very much if he's uh, still with us, yeah. Yeah. Tim Hughes, he's the guy that ran the patio into hash. Tim Hughes, he also wrote, a, I think, possibly the first book of the history of the hash. And yeah. I, as you may know, I accidentally discovered the existing living Gisbert relatives. Just before that book went to press, I was able to provide him with that information. What's the tale of that discovery? I got a phone call uh, 
somebody said, oh, I'm looking for a job as a barman. Have you got any vacancies? I said, yeah, we do. I said, uh, what's your name? He said, uh, Charles Gisbert. Oh, so that's a famous name. He says, yeah, I've heard something about it. You think about it, my grandfather founded it, I think. So I said, oh, come on. So he got to, he, he got to the bar and he said, oh, I read an article in the South China Morning Post on this hash. And he said, my grandfather was killed in Singapore. I said, what? Oh, so I said, give me a father's address, because um, we didn't have email at that time. And, uh, his father, Simon Gisper, I wrote to him, and he confirmed that, yes, G, the founder, was indeed his father. And he told me a bit about it. We corresponded, and I invited him out to Hong Kong and Pattaya and my business partner, we paid his airfare and accommodation and he came out and had a grand time and was presented on stage at the, no, that was in Phuket in Tahashi, was presented uh-huh. on stage and that would have been, uh, what was it? Phuket was uh, 90, 92, I think, yeah, 92. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, Magic was in Bangkok doing that publishing. Did you know Magic well? I knew him very well, yes, and I, 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 whenever I went to Bangkok, I'd meet him for a few beers, yeah. and I used to see him at the Interhashes, of course, and yeah. I used to send him articles for his magazine from time to time. Yeah. Did you ever see the inside of his hash office? His- no. Oh, I, okay. uh, we, we, there used to be a, a bar he used to drink in, in Pat Pong, mm-hmm. and if ever I met him, it would be in that bar. I got to know Magic in 96 in Cyprus. He came over a few days early, and we were working on post-holing, wrapping the stadium. He came over and worked. That was I maybe I think that was the last year he was alive. But he came over. He was always helping. Yeah, a great fellow. I liked him a lot. Yeah, good on yeah. great. Okay, we made it through a couple Asian interhashes. You've been to ten. Which other came after uh, that? Rotorua and New Zealand. Yep. Hobart and Tasmania. Cyprus. I was there. Kuala Lumpur. I went to the one in Cardiff, the one in <laughs> Chiang Mai, and I also went to Goa as well. Yeah, I think it's about oh, it now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot. What did you think of that once you the once you went to that interhash in Phuket and saw hundreds? I mean, you had heard about the interhash, but no, the first one I went to was uh, Pattaya. Oh, Pattaya. Okay. So, how did what was your take on it when they brought in nearly a thousand hashers? Oh, I thought it was tremendous. I had a great time and I was quite a good runner in those days. There were lots of, quite a lot of people from Hong Kong were there at that event and it was, it was excellent. I do remember though, on the, on the first day, I selected to do a medium run. It turned out to be, for me, as a quite a good runner, one and three quarter hours, wow. completely with no shade and no drink stop. Yeah. And, uh, that was a medium run. So the next day I went. <laughs> past where the buses were and they got buses lined up for short medium and long and on the long run buses there was one person (laughs) (laughs) that's great yeah i try to warn people when you're doing a big show event don't make the runs long thinking you've got to have a long run you don't because people are there to enjoy themselves not to be sort of dying of thirst after an hour three quarters in the blazing sun yeah yeah, let's name them off the four hashers who were the brains of Starting in right, the hash. There's Wes Parfit, Stuart McDowell, Roger Medcalf, and mm-hmm. Barry Griffin. M- McDowell, Parfit, and Griffin, they were all police officers. Uh-huh. Uh, Roger used to run his own PR agency. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still see those all those guys from time to time. And when you chatted with them, you asked them the question, what do you think of what Interhash has become? 
Oh, Roger Medcalf, he says, I'm ashamed, he says, it's just become a big, overhyped, over-commercialized event, and I'm sorry I had a hand in that happening. <laughs> <laughs> I've covered the story with a bunch of people of the famous F-U-C-K-Y-O-U initial letter that went to KL yeah, when they were there. It's a great story, and we have yeah. some background there. Do you know Drain Oil? I knew him in the Hong Kong Hash when I started. He was a member, uh-huh. and I, I've seen him at many interhashes. I hope he's still going. He's, those uh, guys that were at the first international there, every other one, yeah. are, uh, are, are falling off the perch these days. It's quite a thin pack, yeah. We still have Filthy Phil, and drain oil is kind of stuck in KL with co- yeah. with the COVID restrictions, so he is keen to get out of KL and get back to London and hash there and get out of the flat in KL. So I talked to him online and stay in touch, and yeah, I've got a lot of his good history recorded. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a little little story about Drainol is he came to uh, Hong Kong from Malaysia I think it might have been KL I had um, I think a Malaysian wife she was Asian anyway mm-hmm. and so she went on the ladies hash and then the, the on home afterwards was in someone's apartment where there were like finger food on offer yeah. so she went in the kitchen and brought in a tray of food to give to the other ladies hashes who were all the white girls and one of them says okay thanks very much go back in the kitchen and we'll call for you if we need you again she thought she was the housemate <laughs> And and Draynor's wife was so disgusted, she never went on a ladies' hash event again. He told he told a bit of that story, and, and now it makes more sense that you filled in that particular detail. Yeah, that's a that's a great story. He and he told he told the ver- details that he was told by his wife of that. Yeah, he's yeah. but he's still yeah he is still standing. Of course, there was I don't know if you knew any of the others who had been to all, the Wolf and Horay. I knew the Wolf. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I went on a trail he set in uh, Goa. He, yes, I did one of his trails there. Uh, yeah, so he died on trail, of course, in Germany. Yeah, yeah, a nice guy, lovely guy. Yep. And Horator. Yeah, Horator, he was the MC at a lot of hash events for a while. Yeah. I think I first met him at Manila in Tash when he was doing the uh, MCing. And uh, I was backstage and a bloke came up to him. He said, yeah, I want to... Um, Put my name down, mate. What do you want to? What, he says something like, "What do you want to do?" The skull. He says, "Oh, you're the skull." He says, "No, I want to join the skull, the drinking competition." <laughs> 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 yeah, so that was a bit funny. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm just going to throw more names. So, did you know the penguin? No, I don't think so. No. Okay, he's just an, a Scottish guy that's been. In, he's been to all the interactions except one. He's still going, and he the one he missed. I think he had a registration for, but he had a family like somebody getting married, so he actually had to okay. miss. But he was mm-hmm. there for them all. Over these three decades of the of the Wan Chai hash and Hong Kong hashing, how much has it changed? If if you refer to the Wan Chai hash, one change there has been is the runs have got longer. We we used to try and set a forty minute trail. The idea being to keep the girls interested. Unfortunately, the, the, the jocks have got hold of it, and they, they tend to be a fair bit longer. They do a, a short trail occasionally, but I sometimes get them up them about it, but it carries on. That's one thing. Hong Kong hash is still very much the same. If you set a trail that's much more over the hour for runners, you get seriously abused by the hash members. Yeah, They keep that very traditional, the Hong Kong hash. Right. 
And what about the special one? Was the launch the meeting place for the typhoon runs? No, I'd say in a word, no, because if there was a typhoon number eight signal, the launch would be closed. Mm. And generally, they started the run from an MTR station because you could get to an MTR station during the typhoon, whereas buses and taxis are probably a bit dangerous. The runs for the Typhoon 8 were from an MTR station, and for one reason or another, I never actually got to do one, so sorry about that. That's that's probably good. Uh, How often were the typhoons over the years? Did you have every year? No, no, it was was when the Typhoon number 8 signal went up. Uh, They used to start with a number 1 signal, a number 3, a number 8, and then all out was uh, 10. Uh, Don't ask me why there were no numbers in between. (laughs) But when the, when the number eight went up, that was pretty strong winds uh, and rain quite often at that time. Yeah. What about Sunset on the Empire? What do you remember about that event? Right. Okay. A friend of mine who was a Southside hasher and also a One Chai hash member, we went down to um, Rotorua to make a presentation to have Interhash back in Hong Kong again. Yes. And um, we lost out to Cyprus. But yep. uh, Okay. So we came back and said, look, well, let's just do our own event before it goes back to China and we'll call it the Sunset and the Empire Hash. And we got 1,400 attendees and people today, still today tell me what a great event it was. Yeah. yeah, I had friends that went. I didn't I didn't make it. Yeah, bidding for Interhash has had its ups and downs and there have been times when there was five bidders and I think there was just the two or three at and, uh, When we bid for it, there were three. It was Bandung, ourselves and Cyprus. Mm. And they did the vote and Cyprus got the most votes. But unlike now, and I think before, they did not drop out the weakest bid and re-vote. Uh, I'm sure we would have won it if they had done that. And I went up to complain to the organizers. And I said, oh, that's just the way it is, mate. I said, oh, thanks. After all that effort, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, I think it was a surprise. It, yeah, it was a surprise. And Cyprus was, I actually ended up emceeing Cyprus. I was living in Cairo since the late 80s and hashing. So I knew them very well. So they put in their effort too. And Yeah, well, I, I went that. And again, I've got a video on, on YouTube somewhere of the Cyprus into Hashers. Enjoyable event. And yeah. I'd never have got to Cyprus if it hadn't been for that event. So yeah. that's a one-up. Any other places you've traveled, kind of other off the beaten path or exotic places you've gotten to and stumbled into a hash? or went to the hash? Quite often, if I was going somewhere, I, I would look out, look up the hash. Mm-hmm. One time, I, I took a six-month trip around the world because I, I used to work on contracts, so I decided I took a round-the-world ticket. And one of the places I went was to Florida, and I looked up, I think it was the Miami hash. And I'd read about this girl called Nancy Davis, whose hash name was Slam Dunk, and it got turned to Slammer Dunk when she got arrested by the police <laughs> for... Uh, Bearing her breasts in a public park. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if she's still hashing, but her name was Nancy Davis and her hash name was Slammer Dunk. She said to me, Oh, I started hashing in Hong Kong. I, I met a guy, I was a waitress, and I met this guy who took a shine to me and paid me for a trip to Hong Kong. And I went on the ladies hash. And she said, I enjoyed it so much. When I came back to Florida, I started the first hash here. So that's the connection with Hong Kong again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Miami, Miami beach hash was kind of known for a lot of topless swims and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's great. That's a great so, story. So did you hash uh, much else around the States? I had a month in Los Angeles and I hashed regularly with them. And one of my contacts there, and he came to stay with me a couple of times in Hong Kong, passed away, unfortunately, now was Fungus Among Us. Yeah, I knew, fu- I knew Fungus and his wife very well. Yeah. Always amused me. One of the great... Greatest hash names ever, I think, was uh, they had one black guy member, I think, of Los Angeles hash, and his hash name was Dark Tanyan, <laughs> which I thought was quite clever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he came to the uh, Sunset and the Empire hash, yeah, a nice yeah. guy. Fungus had one kind of sort of great legendary story that wasn't true. After Cypress Interhash, we put on a boat a ferry boat from Cyprus to Port Said. And then they mm-hmm. bust down and they could get, we had a quick run around the pyramids, Cairo Hash hosted them. And one hasher jumped off the bus, ran to the top of the pyramids, despite the screaming police. And he made it to the top and they, we, you know, we ended up paying, giving him some money and he didn't get arrested. And it was, it was always, everyone said it was fungus among us who went to the top. So every since 1996, every time I saw him, people would, and I'd be with him, and I'd say, you climbed the top of the pyramid. He said, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. But he was there. He was there with us for that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, after he, after he died, his wife was spreading his ashes on hashes and hash trips all around the world. He was a great uh, guy. Yeah, he was yeah, a great guy. Super guy, yeah. Super, yep. Now, what about red dress runs? That started in California. Did that make it to Hong Kong? Do you remember when? Oh, yes. They, they, they've had, they've had red, red dress runs in Hong Kong. We've had them in the Philippines here. I personally will wear a red shirt and red shorts. I get a bit disturbed with the delight and enthusiasm some of the guys <laughs> have for putting a lady's dress and a blonde wig on. But anyway, each yeah. to their own, as they say. Well, when did you leave Hong Kong as a permanent? Uh, uh, 2002, and I came to live in the Philippines then, and I've been here well, 20 years now. Wow. Very enjoyable. Yeah. You see, you mentioned you went back for the Wan Chai 30th. How often yes. were you going back and forth? Oh, up until COVID, I would be in Hong Kong two or three times a year regularly for various reasons, partly because I just like going there. It's a great yeah. place to go. And, and I can leave my front door here, and our airport is very close. I can be in one shy in four and a half hours. It's uh, wow. easy travel. Yeah. What is life and hashing terrain and hash culture like in Angeles City? Great. We've, the Angeles hash, I think it was late 70s it started. So it's quite an old hash. Mm-hmm. It's mixed and uh, the countryside is great around here. We seldom have trails that go around the city streets, seldom. The week before last, we had 121 people on the run. So it's quite wow. a healthy hash, yeah. Um, yeah. And are you a bottom feeder? Or is your wife connected somehow through the hash? I, or? I met her in the wunsch and she got into the hash through me. Uh, she was grand mattress of the wunsch I hash one year. Wow. She, she hashes here as well. Yeah. What's her name? Her hash name is Mouse. It's Elisa Mackay and her hash name is Mouse because I used to think she looked like a mouse when she was running. It's quite funny. Yeah. On these hashes on with the Hong Kong, they, did Hong Kong have a circle? Uh, yes, uh, yeah. I think all the hashes that I've ever been on have a circle. Of course, they do differ. One thing about the Angeles hash is we have a, 
a song for every down down. And when I say we have a song, it's not is the sound so east through yeah. blue. We have a, we have a, a whole range of songs, and we basically cover many situations and many nationalities. And so a lot of people enjoy it. And there's there's not many hashes around the world do that. It's usually you know uh, one or two sort of repeated songs, which I find a bit boring. We have two song masters, and I'm one of them. We have two because if you have to do it every week, it becomes a bit of a chore because you've got to keep thinking all the time what to do. Right? Yeah, that's great. There's a songbook. Yeah. Angelis hash. If you look it up, there is a link to the songbook with ah. a lot of the hash hashes in there. And I've I probably got about five in there that I wrote. Oh, nice. What's one that you wrote? Do you, can you come up with a title of one you wrote? Um, well, uh, all right, I'll just sing it. A Filipina is an animal who really is quite sweet, but it's only on the first time when you meet. When that ring goes on her finger, it will really change your life. From loving and sweet kisses, it's nags and constant strife. And when you put some money in her outstretched paw, the only word you'll hear is more. <laughs> nice. That's an experience that I, I, you know, I've seen some a lot of hashers talk about when they travel and come on a hash that has at least a variety of songs, if not a different one for every down-down. That's something they they get excited about and say, oh, I've got to take this home. And at the other end of the scale, you'll get like the, the, the Hong Kong hash still have no songs at all. Here's so-and-so, he's a visitor. Here's your down-down, get it down-down. You might say down-down-down, yeah. that's about it. You know, but uh, that's it, it's a tradition there. And, you know, hashes are different from place to place. That's the way it is. Yeah. It's great to hear in Angeles for sure. And maybe you can report on Hong Kong. Have you been back in Hong Kong since COVID? No. No, no, uh, no. With all this quarantine and wow. swabs and stuff, I, I haven't been out to the Philippines. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it would have been nice to have gone some places, uh, but it's not a bad place to be if you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly hasn't taken the hash down, huh? Did you have to stop hashing for a while there? Yeah, yeah, yes, we did. And then some guy started up a thing he calls the Corona hash. A lot of people went went on that. I went four times. When we started the Angeles hash back up again, they kept it going. So we've actually got two hashes on the Sunday. Wow. They, and, they have a, a smaller attendance than we do, but they keep going. Yeah. How about you and running circles all these years, apart from Songmaster and kind of organized? Are you are you a circ, an RA, GM, circle guy? Um, funny enough, I've never been a, a GM for a hash except for one week in, in the Caribbean <laughs> when a couple of guys from the hash in Canada, was Gypsy and Scorecard, organized a boat in the Caribbean. It was called Hello Sailor Hash. And they made me the gym for that week, and it was a tremendous trip. Apart from that, no, I mean, in, in the one shy hash, we made it a female, but I was assistant GM quite a number of times. Yeah. I was a scribe on the Hong Kong hash. I used to write the run-up, uh, run up, and of course, we used to have a company. We paid a company to print it and mail it out, because no email, of course, and Mm-hmm. Everybody would get the letter through their mailbox on Thursday reporting the run and telling them where next week's run. So that's the way it was in those days. Generally being songmaster for the most of the time, I've been here in Angeles. And, and funny enough, whereas in Hong Kong, all the hashes insist that the GM is changed every year. In Angeles City, we've had the same guy doing it for all the time I've been here. Um, and he does it well. He enjoys it. Everybody's happy with it. And nobody's bursting their gut to change it, right? It yeah, well. it's great to, to hear. That. Of course, New Zealand and Wellington, that part of the country, barely had to stop. 
they've had they had to limit numbers a bit but it's good to hear that coming back at clubs or here in toronto things were shut sometimes on short notice shut down to be asynchronous and online only but it's back it's back even here yeah Post-pandemic, are you an attender of Pan-Asia or other events? Do you expect to get out um, after this? Uh, no, I don't. I've, I've basically lost a lot of interest in these bigger events now. I found them a bit too impersonal. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, I've been there, done that, and I'm quite happy just hashing here. Well, if I go back to Hong Kong, I will generally do one or two of the hashes there as well. But my days of traveling long distances to go to big events are behind me. And I know other people are the same, but of course, to a lot of people, fine. Uh, they, they like to go still. That's great, too. What have you kept from these over four decades of hashing in terms of T-shirts and memorabilia? What's still in? What's still with you in Angelique sitting now? Oh, I've, I've got a mountain of T-shirts. In fact, my wife just said we've got to get rid of some of these. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll have to go through them and sort a few out. But I, I still have, for example, the, 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 the half-pint drinking glass from uh, Patia. Various mugs from some of the interhashes. I think mostly they're, they're mugs that I've kept and a few, quite a few T-shirts from the various hashes, yeah. yeah. So, some of them still fit me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. That's a, that's the main uh, reminder of things changing, how the T-shirts in boxes and closets shrink. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Are you aware of the hash... House Harrier's T-shirt museum, the physical museum that's starting? Uh, no, I'm not. Where is it located? Okay. Let me tell you this because you may, if you if you decide that you and Miles say, we got to get rid of some of this stuff, it won't be hard to arrange to get it to this. Dutch hasher named Neptunus started it. Maybe he started it in Rotterdam. Then he moved it to The Hague. He got kicked out of there. And he eventually got in touch with the KL gang. Yeah. And he yeah. said, you know what? I would like to put it in KL. And they ended up getting a flat down the road from Hardy Boy, who's a big hasher in KL now. So they have a flat and he shipped most of his stuff in a container. So it's just waiting for COVID restrictions to end and he can go unpack it. But he's traveling around the world doing collections. Yeah. Well, that's so, a big task, I tell you. You know, that's the rest of his life now. I mean, he was he's just like, this is all he wants to do. He's got a nonprofit set up so he can figure out if it, at some point it costs money, he'll be able to get donations and stuff. He's collecting this stuff, and he's got everything from socks and head ties and T-shirts and mugs and everything. And he's, he'll hear your podcast. Don't throw them away. Let's uh, we'll, right. we'll, well, somebody will pick them up if you have to get rid of anything. Any other misadventure stories, rescue? you had to do for people we've had the odd rescue i think most hash people have but yeah. we never had anything too serious and fortunately we've never had anybody drop dead on a trail although it does happen from time to time yeah well your history and your background the way answers it was just a it's a big part of hashing history for people that have been through it so many hashers did a turn in hong kong at some point and with there being 10 or so clubs there's been a lot of people i've hashed in the new territories and on a few islands, just passing through a day here and there. Many people are surprised by the territory that we had in Hong Kong for hashing, yeah? Mm. They think it's like uh, the Rock of Gibraltar and nothing there, right? Probably impossible to imagine because every expat in Hong Kong is going to know about the hash, but I just could you imagine if you had never found the hash? I mean, it sounds like it's been a big part of your life. Well, it certainly has, and like other people, had friends around, and still have friends around the world through the hash. 
some of the best friends, I guess, the hashes, you know, like-minded people. There's no doubt about it. Even if you only hash once a week and do no other exercise, it certainly gives you a level of fitness for age for age compared with the average Joe. That's for sure. Yeah. The oldest guy we know of right now I talked to is a man out in Canada. He's 93. Wow. Still the hair razor. We had a 91-year-old on the Angeles hash for for a short while. Really? He was a Cherokee Indian by birth, yeah. Very nice guy. Wow. What do you think's the eldest there now? Probably about 80, I think. I'm 75, so I'm getting there. Good for you. Are you, you're going out? Once a week, still? We do the Sunday hash. And apart from that, we have a thing called the rehash on a Tuesday, which is this afternoon, where we go out and do four or 5K, not necessarily exactly the hash the week before. Friday, I do a cycle ride, about 20K. Saturday morning, we have park runs, five-kilometer mm-hmm. park runs. I do that on a Saturday. And the hash on a Sunday, and occasionally some other walks as well, so I keep reasonably fit. How many trails have you done in your life, you think, hash trails? Well, the Hong Kong hash did not keep records, so I've no idea exactly and i've done about 850 in the philippines one shy hash i did about 440 i've probably done about two and a half thousand i think something yeah. in that region yeah so it's and quite if, a few kilometers yeah did you ever talk to shakespeare no I've, I've heard his name i'm not sure if i've met him but i, I heard his name because of course it's one that sticks in your memory that i think it's a great hash. yeah he's he's a writer he's an english teacher and a writer so he's writing up a, a monthly magazine now and he keeps a kind of honor roll of people. So I'll put an email to you and him and mm-hmm. say, get your estimated run count on there. Cause you're in a, you're a top one percenter and still yeah. running. So your numbers are going up, but 2,500 sounds like a modest uh, estimate. And that puts you well yeah. on the list. I said in Hong Kong, in my earlier days, I would often do three hashes in a week, you know, so, yeah, so it's yeah. difficult to count again, right? Fun. Yeah, it, it certainly is good uh, to get accuracy. Uh, I think, as I said in that article that yeah. I did, that uh, the stories get changed sometimes. And it's good to know the true stories because, you know, you, you hear people spouting things which, you know, for a fact are not correct not deliberate uh, i think it's just that you know someone tells them something and then it comes out as a slightly different story next time right when i was in kale interhash i was invited to the selling gold chambers by john duncan and uh, uh bill panton who you know of uh, was there also and we had a good session but both those guys have passed on now but it was, we had a great lunch uh, session yeah you saw bill's printouts right Yes, I did. I've seen it, yes. He was a very hardcore hasher. Great guy. He came hashed in Hong Kong a few times. I saw him there. I'm guessing he probably came to Angeles, but I don't recall it that he did, actually. I don't remember. He was interviewed on somebody's blog once. They asked him, is there anything that you don't like about the way the hash has changed over the years? And he said, yes. He said, interminable circles run by loudmouth males who like the sound of their own voice. Yeah. <laughs> Agree or disagree? I agree with that. Yes, unfortunately, I mean some of those hashtags they go on and on and on. In Angeles, this is about twenty minutes. That's it. Short and sharp. A bit of a laugh. Few songs. Few beers. That's it. Well, it's good to meet you. I, we probably have had a beer together at some of these inner hashes along the way. It's good to talk to you, and you know you're a good inspiration. It's seventy five, and several times a week out on trail. Good for you. Thanks a lot. On on. Okay. Take care. Giant thanks to Dances with Dogs for coming on the podcast and sharing all that history. History of the Wanch, history of the founding of the Wanchai Hash House Harriers, hashing since 1979. This is the On On Podcast. 
Hash your voices, hash your stories, hash your history. New episodes every week. Until next time, on on, this is Ra. To close the circle, here's the hash anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me. Oh, uh-huh.